Before this podcast starts, we have a couple things we would like to let you know about. First, we have some big plans for the future. We are so excited for where this podcast is going, but we really need some help. We both have full-time jobs along with church and family. And here are some ways that you can help. Share our posts, subscribe, and leave a review. Also, we would like to buy better equipment, and we also have some plans for the future that are going to need funding. You can either become a monthly or a one-time listener supporter. The link is in the show notes. Or you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash breaking taboo, or you can click the link in the show notes. Next thing is, me and my husband are going on AIM to Japan. You can support us one of three ways. Text to give. You can text AIM206 to 71777. Or you can buy a t-shirt or hoodie from our shop on Bonfire called Seek and Save Apparel. Or you can become a partner in missions. To find more information on anything, please visit our Instagram page, Romans to Japan or Breaking Apostolic Taboo. Thank you for joining and we are so excited for this week's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to Breaking Apostolic Taboo. I'm Bailey Romans and on this podcast we like to talk about things that have a little bit of a taboo around them Um, and we like to break the stigma and break the awkwardness around certain subjects and so along with that we like to educate. We want you to be educated on ways to help yourself, ways to help others get through these certain circumstances that we all go through. Last time we did a series on mental illnesses and this time we're going to be doing Redeemed Sexuality by Andrew A. Boa. It is a 12 session, so 12 weeks, and we are super excited. We want to give you some practical resources to help you combat some of these sexual issues. And because a lot of churches do not have a program to help people that struggle with pornography addiction and sexual addiction in general, um, hopefully this will help you. This is a good resource. You can find it on Amazon. If you would like to do this at your church or with a small group, if you would like to start it, um, I will have a Dropbox if you want to do this on your own personal time and um, with the worksheets that you'll need um, to fill out if you would like to participate. And thank you so much for joining us and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's session on Redeemed Sexuality. Now, a little precursor, I'm doing two lessons this week in one since I missed the last lesson. So this week we're doing lessons eight and nine, which as we know, if you've been listening throughout the series, they're not very long. So grab you a glass of tea. I got mine right here. And let's get started on lesson eight, which is called Facing Temptation. The line between temptation and sin can seem blurry, but when we view both from a biblical lens, we see that temptation is not sin unless acted upon with sinful thoughts, behaviors, and desires. Ellen Dicast, Sexual Sanity for Women. A temptation is not a trespass, it is a test. And sexual temptation, 
We're given a test whether or not we will choose to live as sons and daughters of God, our true identity. It's a choice between embracing the new, redeemed self or giving in to the old, wounded self. We can either give in to old self by returning to old sexual patterns or live in the reality of the new self by embracing patterns of sexual holiness and health instead. Yet, it's never e- never as easy as it sounds. In shame instead of in our identity in Christ and to live in isolation instead of intimacy with those who would love to connect with us if only we reached out for help. Temptation is a test we cannot hope to pass on our own. But together with God and one another, we can learn to face it and even to overcome it. What is one situation that often leads you into sexual temptation? Uh, Most often is when I'm alone. And I'm sure that's with everybody. When you're alone, the devil is like, this is the perfect time to bombard you. And (laughs) believe it or not... I get extremely triggered at church, and I'm pretty sure it is because of the devil just trying to get in my head. And um, if you hear barking, my parents are currently hosting people at my home, (laughs) and so my husband and everybody is out there talking, and I needed to come in here to do this. So if you hear barking and stuff, I am so sorry. (laughs) All right. And temptation in the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, 1 through 11 and Luke 4, 1 through 13, we see how temptation is a challenge to his identity. Satan begins the first two temptations by saying, if you are the son of God, he tries to cast a shadow over what the father had just said. This is my son whom I love, with whom him I am ple- well pleased, in Matthew 3.17. He offers Jesus comfort, control, and significance apart from his identity and mission as uh, God's beloved. In response to each temptation, Jesus responds by quoting scripture, saying, It is written, not even Jesus fights temptation with his own willpower. Instead, he relies on the on the Father's voice, the Spirit leading us in the truth of God's Word. So when it comes to facing sexual temptation, Jesus is our model and master teacher. As Hebrews 2.18 tells us, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Through his own power, we have a way out of even the toughest temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out and that you can endure it. And also, something I I want to point out is God loves us so much that he came to this earth so that he would know what it feels like to be tempted. Because we are tempted every day. I just, that that's love. That is real love. Alright, temptation dialogue. Sometimes we feel embarrassed just to admit when we are feeling tempted. In reality, being able to talk about our temptations, especially while going through them, is a mark of spiritual and emotional maturity. Those of us who have especially strong, strange, and disturbing experiences of temptation find ourselves in good company. Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Hebrews 4.15 Surely in every way 
includes all kinds of sexual, sexually tempting thoughts and desires. No matter the nature of your sexual struggle, Jesus can empathize with you as one who experienced it fully and yet never sinned. In order to be better to be better understand and respond spawn to sexual temptation, each of us will write out our own personal temptation dialogue. This is an emotionally intense activity. It requires you to get into the enemy's head and come face to face with the darkness within. You can expect to be surprised and even unsettled by realizing the thoughts that actually go through your mind when you are sexually tempted. You might not want to write them down. Don't let this stop you from engaging. Let this exercise increase your self-awareness so that when the real thing comes, you'll be prepared. Number one, write your name in the blank, the temptation of blank. Number two, Imagine a setting that would be especially sexually tempting for you. Time and place, and what real-life situation would you be faced with intense sexual temptation? Triggers. What triggers might set you off? Triggers can be physical. I was lying in bed and couldn't fall asleep. Mental. I thought back to my old relationship. Or emotional. I felt lonely, depressed, and exhausted. No. Triggers cannot force you to sin. They can only present you with thoughts, images, or ideas. Ultimately, you have a choice of whether or not to pull the trigger. 3. Write a realistic dialogue between you and your own voice. Yes, I said that right in the voice of temptation. Don't write what you should say in response. Write what you typically tend to say. You can include elements such as 1. False messages like the narrative of your wounded self in both sides of the double lie, and 2. Stages of the se- uh, sexual cycle, shame, preoccupation, uh, realization, and acting out in despair. Remember, because sin is so much more than outward behavior, your temptation may or may not include sexually acting out. It can simply mean dwelling on inappropriate thoughts, allowing feelings to take control, listening to lies instead of truth, or sexually acting in, repressing our sexuality out of fear. Anything to prevent us from whatever God is calling us to do at the time. And so, this next page has the dialogue, which I will put in our Dropbox folder for you to go over and do by yourself and this is going to help you in the long run so I'm going to put this and make this available for you in our Dropbox which you can find in our link tree which is in the description of the show and the show notes and on our Instagram and our bio one of the best strategies against temptation is identifying and avoiding the triggers that feed into it We can begin to do this by looking at our own triggers and understanding how they work. Marnie uh, Ferry, I probably said that name wrong, oh well, explains the, the concept of triggers and how they function as getaways to sexual temptation. A trigger may be a reminder of something in the past, either something that's positive or negative. Some triggers remind us of pain, of a pain of some sort, whether physical, emotional, or spiritual. For example, we see a TV show 
or a movie about abuse that's similar to what we experience and we're vividly put in in touch with that vulnerable little girl who is hurt or a friend ignores us for some reason and we're emotionally kicked back into the wounded place of growing up in a family where we didn't feel like we mattered. Whatever this particular pain or trigger inflames intensifies itself um, it in the present moment. Stress can also play a huge part in the process. When we feel anxious, lonely, pressured, or exhausted because of stress of any kind, we want to soothe that uncomfortable state. We're tense, wound up, and want to calm down. Many of us discover that nicotine or alcohol will calm our mood with their depressant effect. We've also discovered sexual activity will do the same thing and usually better. The next step, legalism and license. When trying to overcome sexual temptation, we often flip-flop between two extremes. Legalism, which is self-righteousness, self-righteousness, and license, which is self-indulgence. And there's a figure um, that I will leave also in our um, in our Dropbox folder. <laughs> I blanked for a second that you can look at that tells the difference between legal legalism and license. Sexual recovery groups often start out with the legalistic attitude of sin management, at trying to stop sexually sinning, which inevitably becomes stressful and ultimately unhelpful. When groups realize that legalism doesn't actually work, they swivel in the opposite direction to, um, I don't know what this word is, to a licentious attitude of cheap grace, <laughs> of easy forgiveness and lower standards, which inevitably becomes stagnant. But the, the gospel denies both legalism and license and gives us a third way to respond to sexual temptation based on the love of Christ. Uh, the love of Christ equals motivation, or the love, oh my word, I can't talk, love. Motivation equals gratitude and self-giving. The source of power is the voice of God. Looks like sexual faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness. I am God's beloved child. I do not need sex to feel better about myself. I live by faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me. Even when I'm unfaithful to God, he is still faithful and never gives up on me. This leads to worship, heart change, commitment to God and others, ongoing growth, and becoming Christ-like, also known as the gospel. The gospel does not lower our standards or demand that we meet God's standards. Instead, it tell, tells us that God's standards are infinitely higher than we could ever hope to live up to, and Christ meets every single one of them for us in our place. This fills our hearts and invites us to respond with our whole lives, including our sexuality. In the gospel, we are given the power to relate to others, not in lust, but with the love that we ourselves have received from God. And then there's some things I'm just going to let you do by yourself for this lesson. And so the reflection is, how does the enemy tend to trick you into giving into sexual temptation? And the second one is, how does the gospel affect the way you approach sexual recovery? If you want to pause, think about those questions. You can, and let's move on to the next session.
Session 9, Creating a Battle Plan Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. James 4, 7-8 By this point, you've seen how sexual brokenness looks and works in your own life. You've also seen the power of your identity in Christ to overcome lies and sexual temptation. Now it's time to get practical. What will you actually do to put these things into practice? In the midst of your sexual struggles, there is a spiritual battle going on. You cannot afford to disengage. You need to create a battle plan. What is one strategy you have found effective for overcoming sexual shame and sin? Okay, so um, a strategy that I have for overcoming sexual shame and sin is one, realize that everyone is sexual beings. Once you can realize that everyone is sexual beings, your eyes will open. God, And also, when you realize that God created sex, God created it. This was not meant to be something shameful, taboo, and we all have slip-ups and mess-ups. Yes, sexual slip-ups and mess-ups are pretty big. Okay, yes, we can all agree on that. But that doesn't make us any less of of a person. Um, So when I realize the reality in everything, that helps me overcome that sexual shame and this and sin but also having a relation a real relationship with God and I say real I say this so much on this podcast but having a real legitimate relationship with God things are things change it's like having a best friend that lives in your mind 24 7 and he's like hey do you notice that and things change um anyways Our battles against sexual sin and shame involve an element of spiritual warfare. While some Christians blame the bulk of their sexual struggles on demonic influences, others never acknowledge evil spiritual forces at all. Yet, the Bible speaks plainly about the role played by Satan and demons in opposing the purpose of Jesus. This curriculum seeks to take a more balanced approach, realizing that evil exists both inside us, individual sin and outside of us principalities and powers not all experiences of sexual temptation involve a demon but some do our job is not necessarily to figure out whether we are dealing with our own sinful desires or more sinister influences or both rather our role is to draw near to jesus we can't defeat sin or satan on our own but we can put ourselves in a position to depend on God's presence and power when we need it most. In spiritual warfare, we are not nearly strong enough to overcome the enemy. Only God is. The strategies of spiritual warfare we will look at the we that we will look at are the means God himself uses to deliver us. Listen to how Paul instructs believers to engage in spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against our spiritual 
forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Strategies for spiritual warfare. In this exercise, you will create a battle plan for engaging in spiritual warfare when you are tempted. Because you face individually customized temptations, you need an individually customized strategy for victory. This plan needs to be based on biblical principles driven by God's grace or else it will turn into mere sin management and behavior modification. The question is, what effectively connects you to the presence of, and the power of God? What jump starts your heart to worship him? to say yes to him and no to sin. The goal is to not simply to play defense against destructive actions, but to play offense in the power of his love and freedom of obedience. Step one, the opposite uh, opposition. What are we against? In spiritual warfare, we face internal and external opposition. Internally, we must confront our sin, na- sinful nature, Romans 7.25. Externally, we must confront the spiritual forces of evil, Ephesians 6.12. Use the questions in figure 9.1 to identify the opposition you will be up against. And I will leave the figure 9.1 in our Dropbox for you to look at. Step 2. The Arsenal. What equipment do we have at our disposal? The Bible gives us many strategies for spiritual warfare. After all, we have the full armor of God. However, there's no specific formula for achieving victory. The armor of God fits us all differently. Throughout this exercise, ask yourself, what will work best for me, personally, for me specifically? What we will look at, uh, or we will look at three types of tactics. Preventative, offensive, and defensive. Preventative tactics. The pregame. I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Psalms 119.11 Preventative tactics are basically the little steps we can take daily to avoid temptation altogether. This in, these include actions that keep us far from danger and actions that keep us close to the Lord. They are also known as disciplines of abstinence and disciplines of engagement. Offensive to, or offensive tactics stand and fight. Offensive tactics are ways we can effectively access God's deliverance in the thick of temptation. These are directions for what to do when we find ourselves tempted, alone, and trapped. They are most effective when we want to obey God but don't feel like we have the power to resist evil. These tactics put us in touch with God's power to drive out all darkness through them. We come to know and believe that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8, 37. Number three, defensive tactics. Flee. Flee from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Defensive tactics are last are a last resort option for when we want to give in to sexual temptation and no longer trust our own judgment. 
In such moments, the wisest thing to do is to leave the situation. How do you feel? How do you know when you've reached this point? It's different for every person. Some of us use an acronym, HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, to discern if they are in danger of sexually acting out. They know which feelings to watch for. If you are tempted to sexually act out with with another person, defensive tactics will be especially important for you. There comes a point when you need to stop praying for sexual purity and start practicing it by walking away from a high-risk environment. Plan your escape route and ask the Lord to give you strength and courage to take it when the time of testing comes. Examples include leaving the house, working out, calling a prayer partner. What defensive tactic helps you flee sexual danger? Step three, the battle plan. Now what we will... Now, what we will actually do. The following space is yours to create your own battle plan based on the um, opposition you are facing and the tactics of spiritual warfare that will help you find victory. Once you have finished, make a copy of this plan to share with your prayer partner or partners and your leader. You may also want to create a small summary of your battle plan to put on an index card or take a picture of to have on your phone. The following is an example of what you might write as you develop your plan. My opposition is nightmares when I wake up from a horrible dream in the middle of the night. My strategy is recite Psalms 4-8 before falling asleep. If I have a nightmare, call my prayer partner. And I'll leave um, what you need right here for creating a battle plan. So the next step is envision victory. You wrote a realistic dialogue between you and your temptations. Now try writing one in which you put your battle plan into practice and overcome the enemy with God's truth and power. You can draw from your preventative, offensive, and defensive tactics, as well as truths about your redeemed self and identity statements and any memorized verses. And I will also leave this page for you to do in our Dropbox. And so here's, you may want to pause and think because this is a moment to pause and reflect. If you have made it this far in the curriculum, you've come a long way. Take a moment to look back at everything that has happened so far over the course of this group. Write down your responses to these two questions and then share them out loud, which we're not going to do because we're not in a group setting. But when I ask these questions, if you want to pause the episode and reflect, you can. So the first question is, how have you seen God at work in your life so far in this study? And then the second question is, in what areas of your sexuality would you like to see further healing and growth? There may be times when you second-guess your progress and wonder if you have grown at all. Take heart. The journey of sexual freedom and healing is a lifelong process, and the path is far from linear. In some ways, recovery never ends. This is bad news and good news. Bad news because there's always more healing that needs to take place, but good news because there is always more healing available in Christ. Anyone who has been down this road can tell you that no matter how far we progress, we never graduate from the gospel. As one slogan puts it, no matter how far down the road I have traveled, I'm just as close to the ditch. Our ongoing sin points us to God's ongoing grace. 
Already, Jesus has freed us from the penalty of sin. Currently, he is freeing us from the power of sin. One day, he will free us from the very presence of sin. Yes, we are free, and we have we are still being freed. Or we are. Oh, we are still being. Uh, oh my word! Okay, I was right. <laughs> Yes, we are free, and we are still being freed. Yes, we have been healed, and we are still being healed. Sin is still in us, pointing us to Christ, thrusting us into his arms, and keeping us close to the cross. The more we grow in awareness of our deep sin, the more we realize his deep love. The moment we grow in awareness of God's deep love, the more we are able to face our sin. And best of all, the more we realize his love for us, the more we are able to truly love others, which is the entire purpose of our sexuality. We were made to love the way God loves. Our sexuality is designed to help us do that, to draw us into intimacy with God and other people. There is no formula for spiritual warfare or sexual recovery because not everyone connects with God in the same way. Not everyone should use the exact same method. William Struthers offers this wisdom. As you go through recovery and healing, don't be afraid to let go of things that are not beneficial to you. If you find that journaling is tedious and stressful and increases your shame, stop doing it. If you find listening to classical music soothes your soul and relieves work-related tension, listen to it. Because you have a unique personal history, you will have a unique path to recovery as well. Do not expect that what works for someone else must work with you. Do not expect that... Uh, that what doesn't work for someone else won't work for you either. And our reflection questions for this week are, what will help you make sure you put your battle plan into practice? How is your prayer partner's battle plan different from yours? And then next week, we're getting into theme three, which is on intimacy. And uh, lesson 10 is called Healthy Intimacy. So I'm super ready for next week or the next session. And I hope to see y'all all listening next time. Have a good day.